Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back, and welcome to 2016. Oh, my God. This is Action Movie Anatomy. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, and this is Andrew Guy. Look at those suspenders. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> this is the Tombstone episode, guys. We told you about it weeks ago. We told you we were going to do it. We're so excited to do it. It's one of my favorite movies probably ever. I mean, I would put this on a top top 50, uh, something like that. But I love this movie dearly. And uh, some of the great performances, some of the great one-liners, more 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 than anything. Oh, yeah. There's so many great lines so in this many movie. Good ones. Yeah. But uh, anyway, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. You probably know that if you watch the show. We're on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. We're an action movie talk show. We talk about movies that adhere to four basic rules, essentially. Uh, aside from being made after 1981, rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule mm-hmm. number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, things, or beings, or whatever in the room. Rule number three, uh, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Did I just say that? And you did just say that? Rule, it's rule it's been a three. while, man. Yeah. The hero is, oh yeah, yeah, it's, uh, the movie's always driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. When we say political, they could either be the man or work for the man, and then lastly, there's at least one explosion. Mm -hmm. This movie sidesteps a couple of those a little bit. A little bit, but I think it's, I mean, tone-wise, this movie is perfect for our show. This is like absolutely 100% our movie to do. On tone, I think this movie qualifies for a show as much as almost any movie I can think of. Totally. It just feels like a movie that we would do. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those cases where there's really not a whole lot of action that goes on in the movie. There's, like, a few great scenes. Right. But it's just a feel that you have watching the whole time. It just feels like that 90s action movie you love to watch. It's just funny. It's like you take a bunch of guys who would normally have, like, assault rifles and, like, berets and, and, like, C4 silencers and whatnot, and you just put, like, sweet mustaches on them. And, like, that's what this movie is. Uh, but, like, all the one-liners, they could be in any movie, it feels like. Well, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Holiday's a ridiculous character, but he... His his lines are incredible. Yeah. He, I would say, is responsible for, like, 75% of this movie's quality. I, I mean, maybe even more, man. I think yeah. he is literally the most... I mean, if he wasn't in this movie, it would suck. It would be terrible. It would be really bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they originally wanted Willem Dafoe to do it. Yeah. And I just couldn't even imagine. No. I mean, Dafoe was, like, in a weird place where he was, like, sort of... He could have pulled off the weirdness. Right. That's his character. But he wouldn't have been charming enough, I don't think. No. And that was like a big part of us yeah. doing our recast this week is that Doc Holliday has to be he charming. He's to be a charmer, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we're going to get into all of your favorite segments on the show, guys. Once again, uh, check us out on iTunes. You can give us a rating and review there. It really helps us keep high in the standing so people can find out about the show. Uh, it helps keep the lights on. We can't do show in the dark. Also, we are on the Popcorn Talk Network along with several other shows. So you can check out... Uh, Anatomy of a Movie, which is the Friday show. They do all the new movies that come out during the week. Kind of a similar format. They they break everything down. Yep. There's video game movie anatomy. There's a taco movie anatomy. There's Marvel and DC movie There's news. There's tacos movie anatomy. What is this? Otaku movie, <laughs> I think. It's a, <laughs> no, I'm just messing yeah. with you, Okay, man. very good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check out the other shows and uh, give them a watch. Dude, and our show. Oh, our yeah. show. Action movie anatomy. 
We got our first oh, million yeah, yeah, yeah. view video. Yeah, Mad Max. Uh, people thought it was the movie or something. I don't know. It went viral. <laughs> yeah, it went big. Uh, people were not happy when it wasn't the movie. And yeah. then we hit two million views finally on our show. Yeah, you guys have been so good to us that we've we've gotten a bunch of people like finding out about the show recently and, and new fans. That's really cool. There's a bunch of cool new stuff in the works that we'll be rolling out here in the next few weeks that yeah. you guys will see that are kind of. Uh, tied in with the, the new exposure the show seems to be getting and uh, yeah we're well on our way to the, the 3 million views that's so right. that's right thank you guys so much for sticking with the show and then getting us to be you know known to one or two other movie fans right. <laughs> like we are and uh, I'm glad we make a show that people like us would watch yeah because we love making this show who our fans are <laughs> absolutely yeah anyway i digress let's get into let's do the trailer let's yeah. check this thing out 100 percent. real quickly just remind oh, you guys sorry. we do have a twitter ama podcast check that out if you want to follow follow along with us or tweet uh or comment or whatever and i'm ben bateman media i'm at andrew guy you guys can let us know your thoughts on it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline the episode in the show. So let's get into the trailer for Tombstone. Boom. Boom. This is a good trailer. It's okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's, uh... It's like one of those bad 90s trailers, but it's good enough. Yeah. As you can tell by the music. And it's got that guy's voice. It's got the sweet voice. It was a place. It was a place. Could be made. Not, it was a place. It was a place. <laughs> As a legend. Yeah. It's wider. Better name for himself as a peace officer. I love when Billy Bob realizes it's wider. Yeah. He's like, thank you. Yeah. For not killing me. Not me. I'm in my prime. I'm in my prime. The song. Yeah, the music's good. Yeah. I don't know if good is the word that I would have chosen. The story of Wider. The first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. If we're going to have a future in this town, it's got to have some law and order. It's crazy. When I was a kid, I went through this like huge, huge obsession with Western movies and yeah. books. But then I just went out and bought like 30 books, like, yeah. Western novels. And like a bunch of Western like movies on DVD and VHS, and I didn't read or watch any of them. What? <laughs> I just got really excited about it, and then I just stopped. You just stopped watching. It's like Pogs for me. I had a thing like that, Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> yeah, but you still play it, and you're almost thirty. I stuck with it. Not almost thirty. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Bailey, are we cross? No tie. I'm sorry, guys. No tie. I apologize. I thought about it, but I thought I'd bust out suspenders for the Western. Are the fans talking to you now, not me? I mean, they're talking about me. <laughs> Dana Delaney. I, I feel like this should be a more relevant role in Kilmer's canon, like, when people talk about him. Yeah. This should be, like... And I just, I'm trying to imagine, what if he had never made this movie? Would his career be that different? No. I think it would no. be almost exactly the same. I don't think anyone's careers would be different if this movie hadn't been made for anyone in it. Which is so bizarre. Yeah. So bizarre. Because it's such a fan favorite. People love this movie. People I love if, this if movie. If you look over Russell's, like, 15, and we'll look at it later, his 15 highest grossing, 
I think this is the favorite. Like, there's two or three others I could put on there that would be, like, in <laughs> the same class. Right. It's, like, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. Um, but this is, like, right up there as, like, the probably most beloved Kurt Russell movie, which is so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, that mustache, man. Yeah, it's pretty excellent. So uh, right. that was the trailer, guys. We're going to be doing a, a thing we introduced a few weeks back. It's a, it's a new thing called Action Movie Tagline. So uh, when Drew and I were kids, we would go to the video store and we would see like VHS boxes all lined up. And they would on the VHS boxes, it was like a big deal. They would sell the movie with like a little tagline. Um, so sometimes you would get like on the front that or on the back, there would be like a longer description, you know, a little excerpt from the New York Times or something like that. Right. So we kind of come up with our own now that we would have to write if we were putting them on the front of the box. They're really good. They're excellent. <laughs> I would say Drew has bested me at this point. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I kind of just blanked it today, mm. but I did write one. I just don't feel like it's as strong as some of my other ones. Yeah. But I've still got a couple good references in there. Mine's not that good, so. All right, go for, you go first then. <laughs> All right, here we go. Real events. Real lightning. Real mustaches. <laughs> Justice is coming to Tombstone. Where will you be? Oh, that was good. You like that? That was real good. Yeah? Yeah. And I like that the mustaches and the lightning, that's real. They're real. They're the All mustaches and lightning in the film were correct. <laughs> I like all the way over here. I was like, I'm pretty sure it said lightning. You're like, I think it was lightning. I was like, is there even lightning in the movie? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's there lightning when he's like, when he's like, you tell him hell's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great scene. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So mine is a little goofier. Okay. Grab the family and settle up for the greatest depiction of the showdown at the OK Corral. You're a daisy if you do. Yeah, I knew you were going to use that. <laughs> I, I almost to. Yeah, I love it. Used it. <laughs> All right, so yeah, it was a little shorter than my other ones, but I still... God, I love that. I don't know how I forgot. Yeah, tagline's very fun. Um, all right, guys, so that was the action movie tagline. It's real quick. The next thing we're doing here is thesis statement. If you've watched the show before, you know that this is the part of the show where we share our biggest thought, our boldest thought about this film, the thing that really we believe more wholeheartedly than almost anything else uh, that we will stick with kind of throughout the remainder of the episode. Uh, and I think... <laughs> Mine's really serious. I don't know this if week. you believe like this more than anything, but it's like <laughs> I still you believe it. I definitely believe it. I don't know about more than anything in the film, but I believe this. Like this yeah. is true. This I is one hundred percent true. I believe this to be true. That this is the greatest display of mustaches in a movie ever made. The in greatest history? in history. There's never been a better mustache. A, an ensemble of mustaches. A mustache ensemble. <laughs> yes, this absolutely. Is like the, this is like the magnolia of mustaches. Of mustaches, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Russell's in Hateful Eight looks insane. Looks incredible. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if everyone else in the whole movie had a mustache like his, yeah. this wouldn't be true. But they don't. Everybody's got, and they're all of different shapes and sizes. Oh, yeah. Sam Elliott's is very, like, it's got the white in there. <laughs> That's and, just him. And Kilmer's got the real thin got, one. Yeah, it's the, yeah. With the wax in it. Yeah. Russell's is just badass. Yeah, he's great. They <laughs> they never explain why Russell's wearing eyeliner the whole time. I know, his makeup is so distracting. On fleek is it what is, his eyeliner yes. is. I believe that is the term <laughs> the kids are using these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, great. My thesis statement is that this is Kurt Russell's most unrecognized masterwork of his whole life. And the reason is because not only do I think this movie's great, not only do I think he's great in it, but Kurt Russell was the ghost director on this movie. Most yeah. people don't know that. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but the director, the original director, was fired and replaced by another guy who we'll get to, and Russell essentially was the director. He pretty much directed this entire movie, and yeah. he also cut some of his own scenes out when this crazy director was there yeah. so that other people could get more screen time. So, in my opinion, this is a great film. People love it. It's a favorite of mine. But not only is the star awesome, but the star directed it, and we don't even know that. 
And yeah. I think this is maybe Kurt Russell in his top five movies. And to me, the fact that he directed this, and most people don't know, it makes it the most unrecognized masterwork of his whole life. Yeah, that's uh, a great one. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, almost, it's not quite as good as mine. But <laughs> it's very good. And I, and I would 100% agree. I mean, yeah. Kurt Russell is another one of those guys for me. I mean, kind of like Swayze. Yeah. For me growing up where, like, I knew he was big and I knew he was great and people loved him. Yeah. But I wasn't really sure why. Yeah, right. And I kept watching things. And I was like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, he's, he saw uh, Big Trouble in Little Tokyo. Little and, China. Yeah. Little China, I'm sorry. And then I was thinking about, like, four other movies. Um, and then, like, Ghost with, with Swayze and, yeah. like, you know, Dirty Dancing. There was all these movies that were big. Yeah. But I didn't really know why people They're loved not- them but so they're much. like not that good. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Ru- Russell's like, um, he's like interesting because I remember when we were kids. Remember Breakdown? Remember that movie? Yeah, Breakdown came out when we were kids, and that's like probably end of prime Russell, kind of like back end of his prime in some ways. And then like Dark Blue, I think is O two that oh, came out when we yeah. were kind of so. But as he got a little older, like he stopped being really very relevant by the time we were in even in high school. I mean, so, sorry, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, like, a lot of his famous stuff is in the 80s, the 80s and 90s, and they're just, you know, Escape from New York's a cult classic, Escape from L.A.'s terrible, it's, mm-hmm. they're, you know, he's in Vanilla Sky, you probably remember that, right? Right, I love, I love, though, and since we played that game and we did the Kill Bill episode, if you guys haven't seen it, go check it out, but we had a thing where we talked about actors whose careers could be revitalized by a Tarantino movie, Yeah, and to see Russell in Hateful Eight... I was more excited about that than anything else about the movie. Yeah, totally. And I don't even love him that much. He's got his good, mustache and his voice. He's got a small part in Death Proof. Um, the yeah, yeah which, he's good in that. Yeah, he's and really good. He, in and that. he's got the like he does the like uh, the Elvis impersonation because that's like his thing. He's yeah, played him Elvis and Kilmer before. both are huge yeah. uh, Elvis enthusiasts. Yeah, and they both have played him. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, anyhow, that is a thesis statement. If you guys have your own, you want to share them with us, be sure to tweet at us at AMA Podcast uh, or leave it in the comments and let us know what you think or in the live chat that Andrew's reading right now. Yeah, I'm trying to keep up with it I'm trying to shout out if you can we're gonna i think pretty soon we're gonna have somebody here to work the live chat with us uh, more on that later yes so uh let's talk about fist pump moment now this yes. is exciting if this is their first time watching the show i'm gonna give you my best description of this i can so this is that moment where you're watching the movie and something happens and you kind of look around and you're just like is, is anybody else seeing this right now this is so awesome uh it's like you really it's that moment of like yes i get to watch the rest of this movie right now like, this is happening in my life yeah. right now yeah, yeah. Often, if I've had a couple drinks, it's even more exciting. But you know, certainly no judgment on anybody if you're watching it sober. It's uh, per- perfectly acceptable. Uh, so- We've done that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> so fist bump moment. Yeah, this is this is a good one. This movie. This is, is filled with them. Yeah, that's what this Riddled movie is. with them, yeah. If this movie didn't have twelve or fourteen fist bump moments, it would be unwatchably bad because yeah. most of the acting on the, from the secondary characters is pretty bad. All the women are bad. The, mm-hmm. All the romance is bad. Yep. Um, everything, really. <laughs> the last 40 minutes of the movie, for the most part, is anticlimactic. Like, yeah. The action, the OK Corral shootout's sweet, but a lot of the action at the ending is like kind of just like whatever. It's just like inserts of like riding horses and shooting. Which is hilarious because in the original, which we will get into this in a little bit, but the original script by Kevin Jari, or however you say his name, yeah. Was like twice as long yeah. as this movie. It had like, like he an wanted, extra forty minutes. Yeah, of backstories about every single cowboy. He wanted it to be an epic. It would have been completely unwatchable. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows if it was an epic if it would be regarded as more classic? I don't Maybe. know. But uh, in any case, it, 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 that is what this movie is about: is fist pump moments. So let's right. share our fist pump moments. I. I would say every single time Holiday's on screen, for the most part, is a fist pump moment. Yeah, he's but, great. His, his intro scene is great. Yeah, Ed Bailey. All we crawls. Yeah, I think I'm going to show. I want to queue up. Um, I want to queue up my fist pump because the the action scene that I pulled is actually 
Well, I have two. No, I'm going to use this one. I'll use this one. Okay. Because we have the scene we can show. Um, so I'll go first, I suppose. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, whatever. It's when the first time, it's like the first fist pump moment of the movie. It's the first time we get to see Wyatt do something sweet. He's in the bar at the oh. beginning, and he meets Billy Bob Thornton. And Billy Bob Thornton doesn't know who he is. And uh, you, Mark, you can just cue this at any point of time if you want. Yeah, just play it in the background. But he's, uh, you know, he walks in, and Billy Bob's kind of hassling the table. Kurt Russell walks Just up. being such an asshole. Yeah. And Russell, like, what's he say? The guy's like, I'm getting real tired of you, mister. And he slaps him. Yeah. You do something about it, boy. Grab that pistol and jerk it. Skin it. Skin that skin wagon. wagon. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna do something about it? You just gonna stand there and bleed. Yeah. Yeah, It's so good. So good. He takes his gun. Just like for. I love when he comes back later with the gun. He knows who he is with the shotgun. He's like, "Wow, hurt." Thank, thank you. Yeah. And I love. And Kilmer's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I did. I forgot you were there. (laughs) You may may go now." Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Here we go. See that bird at the farrow table? You're back at Queen again, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Billy Bob was heavy in this part. Yeah. Billy Bob is known as being, like, he's one of the greatest assholes in film of all time. Ever, yeah. Like, Bad Santa. Yeah. He is so good yeah. at being an asshole. And this is, this is like the roots. Yeah. Get rid of him, get yourself a straight dealer. Sure, stranger. That's easy for you to say. Walks over, makeup on. Lot of makeup. Yeah. We should have put on. We should have put on mustaches and worn eyeliner to the show. We really should have got the mustache. You have darker features. You almost look like you have eyeliner on sometimes, <laughs> just by nature. Kids in middle school used to tell me that I was wearing eyeliner. Really? Yeah. It wasn't funny. <laughs> Something on your mind. Something on your mind. Just want to let you know you're sitting in my chair. Is that a fact? Yeah. It's a and Bailey. For a man that don't go healed, you run your mouth kind of reckless, don't you? No need to go healed to get the bulge on top like you. Is that a fact? Mm. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, I'm real scared. Damn right you're scared. <laughs> I can see that in your eyes. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Skin it. Skin that smoke It's so good. I've never heard that expression before in my entire life. I'm, I'm getting awful tired of your <laughs> I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. <laughs> be very intimidating. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? Oh, so really good. good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, my fist pump moment, uh, on the other hand, is Kurt Russell again. Okay. With how good Doc Holliday is, both of our fist pump moments being yeah. wide herb is great. But it's no. 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 And he walks no. out. And he just kills Curly Bill in the middle of the river yeah. with like an array of gunfire coming at him, which is true. Apparently. apparently. That's yeah. how it really went down. I love it. It's one of those moments. It's the same thing as like what happened in Breaking Bad when Gus goes out with the sniper. Yeah, he's just like standing there, like asking for. It. I love that moment in yeah. movies because it doesn't. I love it even more in this one because of it being real, because it seems so fake. Yeah. You know, like that would never happen in real life. Never. And then the fact that it did, I was just like, oh hell yeah, yeah. that is definitely my fist. Legend. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's true. That's like the last good moment of the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Though, like that's where I feel like the like the climax just like dips after that. Yeah, I mean it is. The scene with Ringo dying is is good, but yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. not as intense. Yeah, it's true. The Ringo scene is sweet. 
And uh, Ringo. Yeah, because I wasn't quite nearly as sick as I laid out to be or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like I'm being right, you know, right, slow right, right. And drinking. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's that's mine. The other one that I was—I don't know—we're gonna get to show it later. But the other one I almost went with is when Ike. He's like, set him, set him free, Lado. Set him free. And he's free like, Lado. yeah. And he's like, he's like, everybody get back. And he puts the gun up to Ike. You die first. Your friends, yeah. Your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I turn your head into a canoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's my, my other favorite moment. That to me is like a real fist. But I mean, it's funny, as great as Holiday is, the biggest fist pump, like badass moments, right. are actually Wyatt's moments. Because he's more yeah. of a badass, even though Holiday is like more entertaining. Yeah, well, he's more like in your face about it because I do think that that Holiday is the bigger badass. Yeah, he's definitely like he even says like Herb can't beat Ringo. Yeah, he's like I can't beat him, can I? He's like no. no. Yeah, it's awesome. No. All right. Uh, so let's get on to like what these guys were doing, which is interesting because at this point in both their careers, yeah, like Russell's kind of he's not on his way out. It's like right. Let's see. Like so, well, you have. I mean, the, the films right before these are all like pretty well known. He was still he was still very much in it ninety three. But mm-hmm. what happened after ninety three is almost more interesting. Because um, like I said, I think Breakdown's like ninety six. Maybe does that sound right? Yeah. So he's got Backdraft in ninety one, which is yeah. I've seen Backdraft. It's not bad. Yeah. It's like a it's a classic. It's like, like a big budget like nineties action yeah, movie thriller kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got Unlawful Entry, which I haven't seen. You said you hadn't seen it either, right? I've never seen Unlawful Entry, no. Right, and then in 92, he's got Captain Ron. Yeah. Which I think I may have seen on TV like once or something Definitely like that. Definitely seen Captain Ron. Definitely yeah. a real silly movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is what I'm talking about with Kurt Russell and who he was to me, like, growing yeah, up. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just like, I didn't really know him. For our fans, uh, they want us to do Tango and Cash. That's 89. Yeah, that's um, a big one. So that's, like, that's right before. But the stretch that he does right after this is interesting. So he plays Elvis and Forrest Gump. Right. That's a small part. Just the voice, um, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, he's got, no, I think... I feel like you see him or a silhouette, I mean, maybe. I think I'm pretty sure he just does the voice because when he's with Forrest, you don't yeah. ever see his face. Maybe right. And then they show him on TV later, and I think that's the real Elvis. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then Stargate '94, which that's is huge. Right. That's right. a big one. Escape from LA. They tried to do the sequel '96. Bad. Executive Decision '96. That's a People big one. People love that movie. Executive yeah. Decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Breakdowns '97. Soldiers '98. So that's mm-hmm. I think right where it, it sort dip. of crests because yeah. like. After that, you have like Nilla Sky, Dark Blue, Miracle. You know, it's cool. Yeah, it starts to. I mean, Miracle's sweet, in my opinion. But yeah, like there's a big lull. Uh, he stops being like a real big A lister. He had that surprise performance, though, appearance in Furious 7. Uh, oh, yeah. That was, was so random. Yeah, it was very weird. But he was pretty sweet. Yeah, he was, he was good. good enough. It was a good ad. I, mean, I thought movies, he was a you know he's going to die guy the whole time, but he he's not. It's sweet that those movies just keep adding. They just keep. It's like, we'll just put another star in. Why not? Yeah, like, because everyone. I and mean, it's like. It's like Daniel Craig wanting to be in the Star Wars movie. Yeah. As a stormtrooper. No one knows who he is. If you see it again, you'll recognize his voice. Yeah. But it's like, do you want to be in this massive franchise? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Right. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I saw it a second time and I did recognize his voice yeah, the second same. time. Especially when he calls her a scavenger. It's yeah. like clearly Bond. Clearly Bond, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Captain Ron, Lawful Entry, Backdraft. I think, I think Kilmer's, interestingly enough, so The Real McCoy, 1993, don't know that movie. Um, True Romance '93, definitely know that movie, yeah, and that's, that's a good one. And then Thunderheart '92, I know it, never seen it. Um, True Romance, small part, not a not a big part. He's sweet Drexel, he's a good character. Yeah, yeah he's a good character, and um, but yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not, he's not the, the reason the movie's awesome. No, no. Um, and then, so, like, what happened right before that? Because Top Gun's 86, right? Mm-hmm. Top Gun's 86, and then you have Top Secret and Real Genius. In I fact, love Real Genius. 
why don't we actually get into our top five for the week? Let's do it. Because we can, this will be the best way to do it. Yeah. It's going to be top five Val Kilmer performances. Okay. Uh, so we each have our five, and they're ranked, right? They're ranked, yes. Okay. So should we, uh, we'll start with our number fives? Yes. Okay. What do you go first? I have uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as my number okay. five. Okay, yeah, It's yeah, a great yeah. role. It's a great movie, and he's just enjoyable in it. He it plays it, Gay it was, Perry? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's between that and The Saint. Oh, Which you almost put the saint, the saint on your list. Uh, I didn't go with the saint. I went with Heat as my number five. Heat. Oh, great. Yeah. He's a great. He's Christian Hurlis. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time. He doesn't have to do much. He's a pretty, like, he's in the movie a lot, but mm-hmm. he's not, like, a very um, affected character. He's like, doesn't talk very much. But he's very, he's very masculine. He's very badass. He's good at what he's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. believe him as, like, the, the badass guy, like, you know, the guy who shoots guns and all that. He just seems really cool. Right. Um, what's your number four? Deja Vu. No, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> I remember seeing that and being like, holy crap, is that Val Kilmer? Yeah. That was, like, when he'd resurfaced, like, big. Oh, six or 07, probably? Yeah, yeah right, right around the, there. Before MacGruber. Yeah. Yeah, he'd gotten, uh, he'd gotten a little thicker. So I went with Real Genius. Okay, because I grew the... up watching that movie. I love that movie. He does yeah. great. He's so believable. He's, like, nerdy, but still cool. It's hard to be nerdy and cool. Real Genius and Top Secret both. It's his first two movies. Um, I've seen them both several times, but mm-hmm. I think I've seen them probably both two or three times, but only when I was a kid. Like, my, my older brother had them on VHS both, I think. Right. So I remember them both pretty well, but uh, I don't... They're not, like, on the level of these yeah, other like movies Yeah, like, Top for Secret me. I don't really remember much, but Real Genius I remember pretty well. Yeah. I was into it. They're both sweet. Yeah. Um, Ooh, what's your number four? The Doors. The Doors. That's yeah. great. It's because it's a it's a good movie and he's really good in it. Yeah, um, that, I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and that's my number three. So okay, it was right there. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, he's great. He does all the singing and everything, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's so. talented. He went to Juilliard. You know, he's yeah. I mean, that's not an easy school to get into. No, you know, yeah, I'm a fan of Kilmer. Uh, all right, so uh, if your number three is The Doors, mm-hmm. uh, my number three is MacGruber. Is it? Yes, that's a good one. MacGruber, <laughs> Dieter von Kampf. Be quite the fly in the ointment. Yeah, he's pretty fantastic in MacGruber. He's like, the like I. You know how much I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. And Will Forte is incredible. Yeah, very funny. But it's almost like back to my original like thesis statement about action movies. Yeah. Is that you can't have a great hero without a yeah, great yeah. villain. Uh-huh. And he is so good in it. Yeah. He, yeah, I love him. I love him to death. Um, so my number two is Tombstone. Oh, number two? Number two. Oh, because your number one is MacGruber. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So two is Tombstone, one is MacGruber, and Tombstone... You know, we've been talking about the movie for like yeah. 20 minutes already. He's so good. He's so, like, committed to his character. Yeah. And everything he says, he ta- he has that thing that you talk about. He's got that movie star quality. Yeah. Where he can be funny without even really trying. Yeah. But he's still, like, you just, you're, you want to see everything he does. Every scene that he's in, you want it to be quiet in the room. It's a know? really special performance. I, I think I was reading um, when Ebert was talking about uh, this movie and, and how this movie came out. Because this movie, there's a lot of weird stuff. And we'll talk about it with production a little bit. But there's a lot of weird stuff with this movie and how it really was. Really weird. Yeah. It was because it came out around the same time as Wyatt Earp and they were being developed at the same time. It was sort of pushed to like a winter release and it got kind of lost in the shuffle. It made some mm-hmm. money. But in terms of like critics and all that, it just sort of went by the wayside. And Ebert was like, I wasn't going to review this movie. Until I kept hearing from every person I talked to right. how great Val Kilmer was, and I heard it from like seven or eight people. When you hear when that sort of thing happens in the movie world, usually it means you have to go see the movie. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tombstone. It's a it's a wonderful performance. That's my number one. Um, my number two is Willow. Willow, where he plays Mad Mardigan. So good. Yeah, I love that you have Willow on your list. I love that Willow it's on any top Willow. five list. Willow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had the Willow board game when I was a kid in my house. 
That sounds we had like the an Willow exciting game. childhood. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I just I just loved Mad Mardigan. He's a great character. He swings the sword well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome that that's... <laughs> I love that that's your number two. I love that that's Val Kilmer because it's just, the movie's great. Yeah. The movie's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, my number one is, is MacGruber. He's... I love him in that. The movie. fact that the number ones are MacGruber and Tombstone, I'm totally happy with. That's yeah. that's good. They're two great roles. Absolutely, uh, it really shows his range. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> All right, let's talk some of this weird uh, stuff with production development. So, what a weird movie, man! It's so cra- like we keep talking about this in movies. I mean, the production development we sometimes feels like a bit of a lull in our show, but yeah. I don't think it is because this is really this is how this movie got made, and we find yeah. so much with these great movies. How disorganized they are sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this one, so this one to clarify what's going on here is that they, they were developing um, Tombstone with with uh, sorry, Kevin uh, with Kevin Costner at, in the role of, of Wyatt Earp, and yep. this was happening at one time. But because the writer Kevin Jar was unwilling to cut the script down, um, he decided to jump ship and go try to develop this as a miniseries with another studio, which is why Wyatt Earp, the film, started to get made. Right. Um, he used his star power to sort of eventually convince them, let's make this into a movie. And because of their clout, we're able to convince most studios, uh, distribution companies, to not touch Tombstone. Right. So this affected some of the casting in Tombstone. This is one of the reasons that um, because Disney was a it was Disney was the company, yeah. right? Because of Disney, they didn't want Willem Dafoe in the role of Doc Holliday, which was the original casting choice because he was a very controversial pick at the time because of the Last Temptation of Christ. Right. Yep. So the production on this movie is going. They fire Kevin Jar, the writer. Um, Shortly into making the film, because he he was unwilling to compromise the script. Yeah, and they were going to go way over budget, way yeah. over shooting time, everything. So Russell, at the risk of watching the production fall to pieces and the studio shutting it down, rallies everyone together, right? Um, and really becomes the de facto director, right? Now they bring on George P. Cosmatos, uh, who Stallone recommended originally because he directed Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Absolutely, yeah. So we've talked about him a little bit. He was actually uh, Stallone's kid was the person who recommended Cosmatos to him when they were doing the film because of his technique with aerial photography yeah. which they use a lot of in Rambo First Blood Part 2 and so he came on as the director and there's this there's this long interview from 06 with True West Magazine where Russell reveals a lot of the sort of the secrets behind all this because this yeah. was not like known information really until then yeah I mean it's it's definitely taboo as a director to just like admit that your lead actor directed the whole movie yeah it's like a, that's like a Wahlberg Boogie Nights moment yeah he lets me block my own scenes I don't let him block his own scenes <laughs> so yeah so he, he would give Cosmatos a shot sheet every night yep. um, you know for, for the next day and then they apparently they even had like sign language signals to like communicate like on set uh, about like you know how to direct and all that so I thought that was pretty interesting um, this movie sort of it got made but like the original script had like 30 to 40 more pages of extra back like background story to all the different cowboys everybody there was like a lot about the Earp family yeah supposed to be like a once upon a time in the west kind of a deal mm-hmm. you know like three hours long and all that which is why I think at times this movie does actually feel like chunks of it just ramble. Well, yeah, it's it's being caught in between being a dramatic epic with some action and like a 90s throwaway action movie. Yeah. And when you get caught between those two genres, those two categories, yeah. it's not a good place to be. Which is why all, all the romance is just like, ugh, what are you doing? Like this... Um, incidentally, the chick that plays uh, his love interest in the movie, whose name is not coming to me right now, mm-hmm. um, I was watching the movie recently and I was like, 
why does her voice sound familiar? I was like, does she play the female lead in Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie from 1992? Really? That's and, her? And I like heard it. And I was like, I swear it's her. And Burns was like, there's no way you would know that. And I looked it up. It's totally her. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how many times you watch something as a kid and it just really sticks with you for your yeah, whole life. I could just hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, Kevin Jarr is not a, he's not like a, I mean, he, he was, he was known for glory. That was yeah. that was why he got involved with this film um, and Rambo: First Blood Part Two, Glory, Tombstone, Mummy, The Mummy, the Jackal, Devil's Own, which I do like. The Jackal, do you? <laughs> That's not a great movie. I mean, he's not a obviously he's not a great writer. No, but he 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 kind of had that genre nailed. I mean, the first Mummy is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Could we, we just do about how weird the first Mummy being remade with Tom Cruise in the lead role is? By the way, wait, what? You didn't know about this? I, I I thought it was a joke. It's real. It's a real thing. It's, it's going to be. They're redoing the entire Universal Monsters line as a. Uh, it's a shared universe picture. Oh my so God. it's going to be more like the traditional mummy than the newer mummy. Okay, that but it is sound, Tom Cruise. Does not sound like I love Tom. I mean, you guys all know we love Tom. <laughs> what I what I like was doing the research for this movie, and I started to read into that a little bit more. I was like, I can guarantee I know what's going to happen with this. Like, they're going to make this... If they make this movie, it's going to tank. Of course. I have zero interest in watching a Mummy remake with anyone. Because, I mean, honestly, though, I hate when they remake movies that aren't that old. It really bothers well, me. Or, like, movies that aren't that classic. That's, yeah. like, a movie that was, like, pretty good. I mean, like, the, the Mummy... I feel like the first Mummy is a pretty classic action-adventure movie from when it? we grew up. Yeah, okay. I mean, but it could be, be... Like, I'm biased. Like, my yeah. roommates... There are a couple of my roommates in college. One of them is his favorite movie. Okay. So... I've seen it a lot. Yeah. And it is, it totally feels like, we could probably do it on the show because it really feels yeah. like our genre. Uh-huh. But for them to be remaking it with Tom Cruise when he's like doing Mana right now and trying to like rebrand himself. It's very strange. Really weird. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, he's, so he and actually some of the producers are involved on that as well. Um, we can kind of move over to that a little bit. So on, on Andrew Giovanni is, has worked with Mario Casar. He's a guy that we've talked about. About a lot on here before. He did times. Yeah, the Rambo films he did, Die Hard 3, Terminator 3 and 4, Total Recall. Um, he had worked with George P. Cosmatos and mm-hmm. Stallone on First Blood Part 2. So he put up a lot of the money for this film. These, uh, these guys are these guys are good at what they do. Yeah. The Cosmatos and the Vajna, they're, yeah. they're like little team they have. Yeah, so I don't think that Kassar worked on this. Um, but Vanya did. And so the, the other producers, one of whom we have listed here is Bob Misarowski. Doesn't have a huge shot, like a huge list of credits. Not somebody that he directed some of those straight to video looking still, uh, snipes, uh snipes snipes movies. movies. Yeah, those are great. And, uh, and then aside from that, you have a production partnership between Sean Daniel and James Jacks. And they mm-hmm. had started a, com- a company called Alphaville Films. Now, interestingly enough, they started the company in 92. And the company did, like, 20 films together. But Tombstone's not one of them. Hmm. They both produced the movie. And they did movies from 92 to 04. Like, 20 movies. There's, right. like, a big list. Most of the movies they did in their whole career are Alphaville films. But not Tombstone. I wonder why that is. Was uh, it yeah. maybe not... Uh, it could have, it could have been something yet, to do with... It could have been something to do with the fact that uh, the whole thing with the controversy with Disney and all that. And, and they right. a lot of studios wouldn't touch it, so could have been like as a smaller production company that they couldn't touch it yet oh yeah there was also another writer that got brought on that was that ended up getting uncredited at the end yeah it's, uh, by the writers guild association it's john fasano right um and he yeah he did because he was the guy that was brought in to clip the script down right a so, lot yeah 
So those 30 pages or so were, that's him. That's crazy they didn't get any credit. I mean, I understand it, especially with how much yeah. this guy was probably throwing a fit. He's an associate producer on it, but he didn't get any writing credit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, and he's another guy, if you look him up, he's, he's got some credits, but nothing crazy. He was more of like a, I think he was kind of like a script doctor kind of a guy. Do you think when you see, <clears throat> excuse me, when you see people like, I, I, I can't get over this, this Jari guy, so I'm going to keep going back to him. Yeah. When you see someone like that that writes, that many good movies at a certain point, and then he just stops. Yeah. Do you think it's because of who he is as a person, like, dealing with business? Like, when we when we do all this research, you find out all about someone like this. Because he was never that incredibly talented. Like, Glory was the best thing he ever did. Yeah. You know, and then you go on and you hear about all these, like, nightmares, basically, with this guy, or horror stories. Do you think yeah. he just falls off because of his personality or because of his writing? I tend to think that when it, when it comes to writing... Um, that's the one that's the one category where it's the hardest time to look at the finished product and judge a writer by the finished product right because they have so little control really over the way that their script turns out mm-hmm. the director has so much of it in their hands the editors have so much of it in their Producer. hands yeah the quality of the actors i mean whole entire chunks of movies and, and scenes can get cut out that can make the script seem so much less cohesive um i think some writers guys that have a lot of creative control it's easier to judge a guy like charlie kaufman maybe or Aaron Sorkin or somebody who's like a very when you're known and you have a name right. your script matters you're, you're given some amount of control but I think a guy like this this is like the same thing that we had happened to us when we were looking at the writer from Gladiator it's like mm. we were like he's not a good writer but it's like who knows actually how, how different the scripts that he presents <clears throat> and sells right. even look they could look so different and there were some things that he like argued needed to be in the film that yeah. ended up making it great exactly interesting a guy like Tony Gilroy is a great example of somebody where it's like yeah. everything you write has the same tone it all holds together well so you know I can see I get the feeling that your original script looks a lot closer to this than the guy that's writing the western epic with Kurt Russell and you know what I mean Val Kilmer yeah it's just okay. different alright I'm sorry I just, I just was wondering you know no, what I mean a, like, you a, always see that and you're always like it's why? a super valid thought because I think especially like maybe even for younger listeners younger viewers I remember when I was a kid and I originally wanted to be an actor when I was going to come out here and the thought was, like, I would look at all these famous people's filmographies and I'd be like, why did he take that movie at that time? Or why would yeah. he have done that? And it's like, you don't realize until you get older that, like, it's not that easy. No. You don't get to just be in a movie that's good and then be in another movie that's just good. You don't get to just be, like, Leonardo and... DiCaprio or Daniel Day-Lewis where you just get to pick yeah. winners only. Yeah. It's and a, even then they don't do And that. often the movies that look like they're going to be winners don't turn out to be. Yeah. You know? There's just so many other factors. So Absolutely. Anyway, um, we can move on a little bit to how this movie was received critically. Yeah, this is this is interesting. With I mean, it didn't get a worldwide release. No, it uh, didn't do well. I mean, okay, so it was Buena Vista. It came out in December twenty fourth, ninety three. It's I mean, Christmas movie. Yep, obviously, uh, the budget was twenty five million, and it made fifty six and a half million domestic. So made pretty good money. It made good money. I think it was the fourteenth highest grossing movie or seventeenth highest of ninety three. And I couldn't figure out why it wasn't released nationally or worldwide. And I think it was probably just because the company or the studio didn't think it was going to be that big, maybe or that yeah. great. But it's weird with people like Kilmer and Russell. Yeah, you'd think that. I mean, they're not. They didn't. I guess they didn't have the weight behind their name that a lot of people did back in the '90s that were huge, like Cruz and Stallone and Schwarzenegger and, and Costner. I mean, Costner. that's that's the interesting thing is that like Russell and Kilmer in '93 compared to Wyatt Earp, which was right. which came out six months later. I mean, this is the movie regarded between the two that is much much 
it's much more of a fan favorite. People like yeah, this movie absolutely. far more. No one but, talks about Wyatt Earp the movie. No, never. But it's it's certainly interesting that you know Costner in '93. That is a huge. Yeah, deal. it was like we talked about this with with the, the Sway with yeah Swayze. With Costner and Swayze and Cruz were kind of the three yeah. guys that were like that. I mean, he dances with Wolves had just come out a couple years earlier. Yeah. He was the guy. Waterworld. I think, I think Waterworld. I think it's the next year. I think it's '94. Probably the best movie ever made. <laughs> probably <laughs> we could probably justify doing Waterworld on this show. Yeah. We I probably mean, could. It's real bad. We, we have okay. So first of all, if if you're just sitting at your computer watching the show or doing whatever, get your phone out or get your get on your computer and get Twitter loaded up and make yourself a Twitter account because we're going to change up the pitch a little bit this week to where we're going to start to have you guys kind of pick what's going on. So when we talk about movies like Waterworld and we want to pitch that one week and you guys think it's completely against what we do, we'll be able to know. Yeah, we can actually hear what you guys have to say. We've done 35 episodes now, or this mm-hmm. is 36, so we've covered a lot of classics, and at this point, we're going to start to actually really put put the choice between two or three things every week in your guys' hands. Right. Unless there's a movie we have to do for one reason or another, um, we're really going to just see what you guys think, and, and you can sort of decide for us. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the budget here and the reception yeah. before we move on. So um, I pulled up a graphic here and it's it's the it's kurt russell's top 15 adjusted for ticket price inflation films that he ever did right so tim tombstone is dead center number seven Furious um, seven just doesn't count yeah it's not really fair it's not him no i didn't even know he was in the movie i don't think he was credited i think or really? I, I, i'm sure he was credited but I, he wasn't advertised he wasn't no, on not the at all. no one no one talked knew yeah him. yeah he was a secret secret thing it's or like whatever. one of those things if you went to the mdb and you were looking through and you saw kurt russell you'd be like what the hell no it really? is interesting that backdraft was right before this film yeah and backdraft is his second highest grossing so there was a certain amount of like if you're gonna put 25 million dollars behind a western epic you need a star and he was a star yeah. he definitely was a star um, you know, in Stargates the next year. So when we talk about him being sort of in his prime, he was sort of in his box office prime. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Kurt Russell never really quite got to that next level of... Which is so weird because that name. Yeah. The name Kurt Huge Russell. Huge name. Everyone knows that name. Yeah, you can't put him on the same level as the other guys at the time that you... like. He didn't. He never achieved the same thing that Costner did. No. Doesn't have the classics. Didn't the Cruise? He's not... He didn't have the movies that were good even enough like to support that. Even like in the mid-2000s, he was doing things like For Love of the Game, and it was still selling tickets because it was just Kevin Costner being Kevin, Mr. Brooks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just these weird movies. Yeah, fully. Completely agree with you. Um, should be noted, Kurt Russell did Miracle on 04. Miracle's mm-hmm. sweet. Gavin O'Connor, friend of ours. Awesome dude. <laughs> I love in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They keep referring to that movie. It's like... Uh, <laughs> They're like, is that the 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 football movie with new kids, the new kids in the block guy in it? I'm like, no, no, it's a hockey movie. <laughs> but anyway, I just I love that movie or that show. Miracle was decent, uplifting. Miracle's sweet. You know, it's a good movie. Miracle's sweet. Yeah, like G- Gavin's got it. He's, he's like that he, sweet feeling. Oh, when you walk out fully. Yeah, yeah. And Warrior is all about that. We're gonna, oh, yeah. we'll get to that later. We'll to that. Um, but because uh, because Russell has a great speech in Miracle. Oh, right? very good. Yeah, the, the Miracle speech is like one of the big ones where he's like he looks around and he's like, gentlemen, great moments are born. From great opportunity, right? Are you Obama right now? No, he does that voice. He does that. <laughs> Look, gentlemen, <laughs> it would have sounded different if I did my Obama. President of the United States. Uh, so yeah, Tombstones number seven. Interesting. The Tango and Cash is number five. That's like a yeah. fan. people love that movie. They want us to do that movie on they the do. show. Like Tango and Cash and Roadhouse are two of the Roadhouse are two of the biggest movies that people are just going crazy about. Yeah, Executive Decision, Breakdown. Yeah, Miracle. So, anyway, it's... What sweet filmography, man. It is, right? But it's hilarious that it's, like, not a filmography that has... There isn't three movies on this filmography that I would look at, and I would go, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, one of the movies that we all saw as a kid ten times. Right. Or, like, if I could never watch one of these movies again, I would be heartbroken. 
And yeah. I don't feel that about any of these movies. Tombstone is the only one on the here one. that I would feel like really, truly like this is a special movie. Like right. there's something about this movie that really stands out. The other closest ones would be Escape from New York, probably Tango and Cash, Stargate, maybe or back. No. Yeah, for me, the only one on here that really blows my mind is Tombstone, and Escape from New York is the, is the closest, just because it's, like, so part of that post-apocalyptic 80s genre. It's been seven years before we were born. But it's a really silly movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very silly. Um, but interestingly enough, Tombstone, 7.8 on IMDb. very, very high. And, that's again, that's what we talk about. And you look at you look at the, the Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, go ahead and say them. 73 yep. for all critics. Right. 29% top critics. Right, and there's only there's only seven reviews for the top critics, so it is definitely like really heavily weighted. It's pretty but bad. Still, it's really bad. And a 94% audience rating, and which I, is dead on. That for- is why we do this show, is <laughs> yeah. movies like that. Me and my buddies have always talked about that. Like, if I don't care if the two first reviews yeah. are like in the teens or the twenties. Yeah. If the last one is above seventy percent. Yeah. It's going to be a sweet movie. Yeah. Audience review to, is like the is almost the most important characteristic for this show. Totally. I would say even more so than the IMDb rating. Absolutely. Because the IMDb rating tends to be so much more of like a mean, mm-hmm. whereas like you can see such a dramatic difference when ninety four percent versus twenty nine percent. And in fact, often if the middle one is low and the last one is high, I have a lot of faith that the movie is going to be like our kind of movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's like awesome. But one thing that I do love about the IMDb thing is that you find with movies that are like this that we do love that are cult classics that they have this big like – just this following people that love these movies. I mean that's what a cult classic is. Uh, They all – I mean they get that – they get those points on IMDb when it's so hard to get up in the high sevens. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so we got Richard Harrington from the Washington Post gave a rotten review saying that it's a highly stylized fashion wise but awkwardly unfocused in its plot lines. It aims for Western icon. I cannot talk today. It aims for the Western iconography of Sam Peckinpah and Sergio Leone, but never gets past its own directorial hurdles. Which sounds, I mean, pretty par for the course. And I would, I would say it's when funny. you're comparing it against those two directors, yeah, you know, like that's not really fair for what kind of movie this is. I don't think. I would say, like, that the negative... This is probably the movie we've done on the show that I can understand the negative criticism. Like, it is the movie that I love the most that we've ever done on this show Mm -hmm. that I can also fully stand behind the negative criticism. Totally. Because it's... I get it, and there are a lot of elements of this movie that are really bad. If I hadn't watched this movie with you for our show, I think I would have been a lot more let down. Like, yeah, I, even even watching it with you, I was like, okay, this is sweet. This is sweet. Oh, okay, Kilmer's killing it. Oh, right. that's a sweet Russell line. Yeah, right. But really, throughout the mo- most of it, I was kind of just like, eh. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it falls flat. It's just it's it's got forty five to an hour of like dead weight. Right. But but, but thank the God those scenes so are yeah, good. The good is so good that it, yeah, yeah, it makes up for it. Yeah, fully. Um. So yeah. So then the positive review that we have here is uh, sports pretty much everything one would want in a western, and though it's not always eminently artful. It's rarely anything less than entertaining, which is dead on. Which is exactly what we basically just said. Yeah, I mean, this is a rare occasion where I really feel like the positive review and the negative review are completely accurate. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't have any arguments. Yeah. You know? Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move into the last portion of the show, the interactive portion of the show. This is going to be... Uh, 
we do a bunch of stuff here, guys. Uh, if, you, if you follow and you know that the last part of the show is going to be favorite line and hero villain ranking and recast. So pull out your phone, get on Twitter, let us know what you think. Tweet at us at AMA Podcast, uh, and let's get into it. What is your favorite line in Tombstone? You have something you want to share first? I was just going to say, do you know how happy it makes me that whenever we mention the movie Warrior, yeah. like everyone stops in the chat for a minute, it's just like Warrior, Warrior, Warrior. Oh, I love that movie. Warriors were the greatest. Should we reveal what's going to be happening? We should. It's big, like big, like so big, like when Ben called me to tell me about it, like he was like yelling on the phone and I started like jumping around wherever I was. So we've become friends with the writer and director of Warrior. Uh, the writer's a good friend of ours. He's in our fantasy league. Yeah, which and, is uh, Anthony Tambakis. Yeah, and the director, Gavin O'Connor, who directed Miracle, has a new film coming out called The Accountant by Ben Affleck, with Ben Affleck in it. Which um, he does want to... Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go, just talk. Uh, I'm so he's excited. He's also become a friend of ours. He's not in our fantasy league, but really great guy. And uh, they have agreed to come on the show as guests for the Warrior episode. Oh They're going to be sitting here with us talking about uh, one of our favorite movies of all time. All time. Uh, the director and the writer just fully interactive. Ask anything, so we'll we'll that'll be in a few weeks. I think we'll yeah. let you guys know the date as soon as we have it locked in. Tell your friends, tell your family. It is going to be like one of the biggest episodes for probably the biggest episode we've ever. done. It'll be the biggest it's for us. Incredibly exciting. And the thing that I love so much about Warrior, and I saw Creed when I was uh, yeah. when I was gone on vacation, and Creed was good. Yeah, it was a good movie, man. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, but. It didn't make you feel the same way that watching old Rockies made you feel. Mm. And that feeling like what we talked about in Miracle yeah. and Warrior, where you, in Rocky Four, Rocky Three, where you walk out of the theater, you walk away from watching yeah. the movie, and you're just like, oh my god, like, I want to go punch something. I'm so stoked. Like, yeah, yeah. I love that they're able to capture that in a film so well. Yeah. War- Warrior is one of my five favorite movies ever made. Yes. Um, it's... We're going to have to come up with a format for that episode that's a little different than normal so we can get all the information across that we want. I'm going to try to not lose my cool. Yeah. it's We might, who knows, maybe we'll make it as a two-parter or something like that. Maybe there'll be bonus content. I'm not really sure. We have to figure that out. But stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll put some we'll put some feelers out for you guys to kind of let us know questions you want us to ask, things like that. Right. We can uh, we can do that. So uh, let's get into favorite line. Yeah, so back to favorite line. On my Tombstone. favorite line is, oh, I know. Let's have a spelling contest. Yeah, let's have a spelling he's all, contest. He's all like wild-eyed. It's just so fun. I lost it. I yeah. literally was laughing out loud for like 30 it's seconds. It's amazing. Ike is such a good character. He's so good. Yeah. Ike's amazing. He's, he's, the, like, he's like the main villain of the film, really. What does he say? He's like, he's like, oh shit, 12 hands in a row. Nobody's that lucky. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, why Ike? Whatever do you mean? <laughs> just wasted. Yeah. Like, so drunk. I also love when Wyatt walks up, he's like, hey... Doc, uh, you've been at it for a while. I will not be part of that. Thank you very much. (laughs) I love that Doc Holliday never even actually says, I'm your Huckleberry. It's, I'm your Hucklebearer. Oh, because it's the 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 guy guy that carries the casket. And so it's like, he had such a thick Georgia accent that no one knew what he was saying. He was drunk all the time, too, so they didn't understand him. But yeah, I mean, basically what he's saying is that, like, I'm going to put you in your grave. Yeah. That's really what it is. Everyone thinks, like, I'm the man for the job. It's like, no, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. He's so awesome. Yeah, so good. Whack, whatever do you mean? Whatever do you mean? Uh, so my favorite line is also a holiday line, which is fitting that our fist pump moments weren't uh, weren't holiday lines. Uh, it's it's after Russell's like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> They're like, Andrew's going to lose his cool. And then Hearst goes, he better wear a light colored shirt. <laughs> so if you go back and you watch episode two of this on Edge of Tomorrow... Go about 35, 40 minutes in. You'll be able to understand what Brian's talking about. Amazing. Amazing. One, of, one of the great moments of my life. 
so favorite line, it's uh, it's when Johnny Ringo is is they Curly Bill and Johnny Ringo meet Wyatt for the first time. They're in the saloon, and he walks up, and he's like, "I'm retired." And he's like, "Oh, good." And then Michael Bean looks at Kilmer, and he's like, "What about you? You retired too?" And he's like, "Me? I'm in my prime." I'm that's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. My Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. And then I also love that they just like talk to each other in Latin, which I read the whole translation it for. It doesn't really make it's a lot really, of sense. It's one of the more laughable moments in the movie because you're like, what the what the fuck are you guys doing talking yeah, to each like, other in Latin? Why are you talking Latin and you're not really making a lot of sense? How do you guys know it? Like, why would you revert to Latin? It's very strange. It's, it's like really a pissing. Weird. It's like a pissing contest. It is like while having another pissing contest. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. <laughs> And, like, I can kind of buy into Kilmer doing it. I can't buy into Bean no, doing it. No, not Ringo. It. Completely unbelievable. Like, Johnny Ringo should be just, like, a dumb, like, hot-headed yeah. quick shooter. You know? Okay, Lunger. Okay, Lunger. Uh, I do love how he says Lunger. Yeah, amazing. Uh, all right, favorite line. Uh, now we need to get into hero-villain rankings. So uh, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to pull up the materials here. Okay, so uh, I had mine written down because I'm blind and I can't see. Uh, so are we going to do – you want to do the hero-villain before the movie? Uh yeah, why don't we start with why don't we start with hero villain ranking first? So okay. do do you did you rank either of the villains? I didn't rank any of the villains. Yeah, Ringo and Curly <clears throat> to me don't do it. But interestingly enough, this is one of the few times that we have two heroes to me that are clearly rankable. Clear heroes, yeah. not like Gerard and the Fugitive, no. who I know you think is sweet. It's fucking sweet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like two clear heroes. These guys carry the movie. They are they need each other. Yeah, um, and I put them at i put doc holiday at 16 okay so that puts you for doc holiday at 16 that means that he goes directly behind rocky balboa from rocky 4 which i couldn't put anyone i couldn't put him in front of john mcclain is 14 and it puts him one behind or one in front of martin riggs martin so he moves down to 17 yes so that's pr- 17 or, uh, that's, i mean it's way higher than i thought he was gonna be 16 because he's so sweet he's so even if sweet. you don't love the movie and like I do love, I mean, it's one of those moments at the end of the movie when he kills Ringo, and it's really hard to portray how badass someone is when they're supposed to be so good. There's no competition. Yeah. Like, the fact that he, like, shoots him in the head and holsters his gun before Ringo even grabs his gun. Yeah. And then he's like, which I love. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. He's just And he, like, catches his body. Yeah. Don't love Daisy at all. Yeah. It's weird. Um, You also, so so then you also put Wyatt. I also here. put Wyatt. Looks like you have him at 29 here. I have him at 29, and I moved Joe from Looper to 28. Okay, that's weird to me. It's weird. It's not. Like, I going back and thinking, I love Looper so much, we've talked about needing to redo these lists. Yeah. I love Joe from Looper. I really do. I think he's a sweet character, and I think what he does at the end is, like, super heroic. Yeah. And then I thought about putting Holiday at 27 or 28 or whatever, and I was like, you know what? I can, but i got to put Joe ahead of him. So mm. I moved Joe all the way down, like, 20 spots. Fair enough. All right. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, it's like not it's not unreasonable. It's not no, unreasonable. I mean, we why should, it's cool, but we should maybe for the for phase two that's coming up here pretty soon with the show. We should phase maybe two. do the re rank. Maybe do the yeah. We'll do a re rank. Yeah, it's probably a good thing to do. So what do you got? What do you got for holiday? All right, this is crazy. Don't do it. Number, number five. Number five. Number five. So what's your top five heroes? Dutch Maximus Jason Bourne Doc Holiday. That's I don't That's have a number okay. one yet. Those are good. Those are yeah. good ones, right? Yeah, I think it fits. It puts him ahead of Neo, um, yeah. which but I love him. Uh, but yeah, he's ahead of Ellen Ripley. He's ahead of McClane. He's ahead of Mi Three and Hunt. Um, he's ahead of Rocky Four. Rocky. He's, ahead of, he's ahead of Rambo: First Blood Part Two. That's crazy, man. Yeah, well, Rocky for me is a little lower on here. Rocky Balboa is number sixteen. He's behind Johnny Utah. 
Utah. Utah. Give, Give me two. two. Uh, and then I put, uh, and then I put, uh, Wyatt Earp a little lower than you had him. I put him at number 33. So, okay. uh, he's behind the T800. He's behind John Creasy. Um, oh, I do love Creasy. But he's ahead of Brian Mills. He's ahead of Ro- Max Roktansky, yeah. Jack Travin. Yeah, it's kind um, of like the same mentality as I had. Yeah. But I, I put him down lower rather than higher. He's got sweeter lines, like, like really fist pump lines. Even now, having seen the movie as many times as I've seen it. Like, for instance, Brian Mills from Taken. Love Taken. Great movie. Yeah. But when I watch Taken now, I don't find myself as engaged anymore. I, I find a little more a little more bored. Yeah, and like really, the, just the speech yeah. is what like sets it apart from just another throwaway action movie. But Wyatt's got three or four lines in this movie that every time I watch it, I'm still fist pumping. Right, which is why I think he gets to be a little higher. Um, so that's that's where I do that. I don't. Uh, yeah, I didn't put uh, Curly Bill or Johnny Ringo. I just don't think they really they really no. rank. Uh, I did put the movie. Uh, a little higher than I thought it was going to be. Okay. But it's not great. I put it at 26, I believe. Is that where I have it at? 27. Uh, 27. You put so it, one behind Taken. So it's behind Ghost Protocol and Taken, but ahead of Born Legacy and Furious 7. Yeah. And I think that that's fair for me because I didn't grow up on this movie. Right. Uh, I do really like it, but I also watched it from like a film critic's point of view. You yeah. Know? Um, so I wasn't able to enjoy it as much as I would have like if I'd watched it my whole life. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I uh, I put it reasonably high. Um, I put Tombstone at number seventeen, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's right between Predator and The Patriot. Wow. Okay. So it's it's because Mission Impossible Three, Man on Fire, Predator, Tombstone, Patriot, Rogue Nation, Air Force One. <sighs> put him for The Patriot, man. That's tough. I like it more than Patriot. Yeah. It, to me, it's it's very much the same. It's very much the same kind of movie for me. Yeah. They have a very like similar tone when I watch them. But as much as I love the Patriot, there's no character in the Patriot that I like anywhere near as much as Holiday. Okay, which is that's fair. It's that's just he's so memorable for me. Hurst mixed it up and he put this movie at number two all time behind Aliens for him. Wow, number two, crazy. No so, wonder you were so damn excited for so many weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's, awesome. It's a awesome. great movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we switched up recast this week. Yeah, we changed it up a little bit. We made our own master recast. Where yeah, we collaborated. So we're not, yeah, we're not competing this time. This time it's going to be, uh, we, we came up with a list together and we agreed on everything. Yeah. And, uh, so let's, let's just kind of go from, from back to front. We, we chose seven roles. Yeah. None of the That women. was another reason is there were so many roles you had to recast. Yeah. You can't really skip most of them. So we, we ended up, the roles that we decided to recast were Virgil Earp, Morgan Earp, Ike Clanton, Curly Bill, Johnny Ringo, Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp. And this isn't a sexist thing. It's just that the women in the movie, like they just do, they do no favors to the characters. I mean, the one, the one woman who plays the voice in Mask of the Phantasm I'm talking about is the closest one to, but it's just she, anyone can play her. She's completely Alicia Vikander would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I finally actually, watched Man from Uncle, by the way. Did you? Yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was okay. How was she hot? Oh, she was wonderful. Yeah, she was exquisite. <laughs> exquisite. <laughs> uh, all right, let's start with Virgil Earp. Let's do it. So, uh, uh, you you take this one. Wait, wait, Virgil Earp. We went with. Vir- yeah, the young one. Oh, Virgil's a younger one? Oh. I thought Morgan was a younger one. Oh, man. Did we mix it up? I don't know. Bill Paxton's character. Yeah. That's who we're talking about. All right, Bill Paxton's character, we went with... We're good at our jobs. Casey Affleck. Love it. Yeah. 
at this point in his career, he's got to be right right in his, his mid early to mid forties, probably. Maybe he's late thirties. Late thirties, but yeah. But it's a good age. He feels just right. He's got the he's got the correct like loyal because that's one of the that's one of my favorite lines. I just thought I just did what I thought you'd do, Wyatt. Yeah. Got to back your brother's play. That's a great line. One of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, and I I could see Casey Affleck doing that. He feels, funny because he played Robert Ford and someone who was yeah. completely not yeah that guy. But totally. He's very good at being earnest and believable, and yeah, I think he's good at that role. Totally. Um, so then this is one of my favorites. This is good. Um, so for the Sam Elliott character, who I think is, I think it's, I think he's Virgil, but you I can't remember. Mix it's, it up. Okay. It's one of the two. Um, we chose to move Kurt Russell over and, and actually recast him as the older brother. And I was a little against this idea initially to like use someone from the original cast again, but you're putting him in a completely different role. Completely. And he would be great as Sam Elliott's character. First of all, his mustache would be yeah. exquisite. Do you think he would pull focus too much? I thought about that a little bit. But I think with who we have in the in the top three roles, yeah, even the top four roles, like again, people love Kurt Russell. But yeah, I think that the, he'll be overshadowed by the star power. And he's a little older now. He's a little older now. Yeah, smaller character. Like he might steal the scenes, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, totally. You know? All right, so then Ike Clanton. So, so we had two yeah, yeah. for this one, which I think I think your initial Danny McBride yeah. was awesome. Yeah, he is so good and he's so funny and yeah. like him being Ike. Law dog, yeah, would be great. But law then we played over here, law dog. We were thinking about it, and like Ike has this characteristic about him that it's not really intimidating. But there's something about Danny McBride to when he's like begging for his life; it'd be yeah. too funny. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Completely. Uh, so we went with John C. Riley, who I think would be great because I could see him being intense and drunk and scared and yelling mm-hmm. and also funny and also weak. Right. Um, he he can play drama. We've seen him play drama. I mean, plenty he's of an times. incredible actor. Yeah, really he's known good. for his comedy, but he's got a great range. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So the next one we have is Curly Bill. Yeah. So the tough thing about Powers Booth and recasting Powers Booth is you have to come up with somebody who's a little cardboard, right? Who's kind of charming and a little goofy. A little goofy, but not like somebody who really feel you feel like is gonna steal. Like he he doesn't he shouldn't seem like the most badass person in the movie, right? And he shouldn't seem like a, a, a comedic actor. And which is why when you see this guy that we pick do comedy, it's always mind blowing because he's so good at it. Yeah. So we went with John Hamm. John Hamm. Yeah, we went with John Hamm. And I really like that recast. Yeah, I was a little on the fence about it initially, but with what we talked about and who his. Uh, him like playing against the other people that we have and him yeah. playing with the guy we have with Johnny Ringo, I think it'll be perfect. Yeah, so we'll jump into the Johnny Ringo. Um, we were between two people on this. Yeah. Um, the, the people we finally settled on were Taylor Kitsch and Ben Foster. And yeah. in the end, at first I insisted we use Kitsch and Drew was okay with it, but once the more I thought about it... I was pretty adamant about Foster, but I was definitely on board with Kitsch because I really like him. Yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I just think you need... You need a little bit more of like a like he needs to have a little bit more of a sense of humor. Or I mixed something. up the herbs. Virgil's yeah. the older one. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, he has to have a little bit more of a sense of humor, and I feel like Kitch isn't great at having a sense of humor. Whereas right. I think Foster can be a little more. He's a little creepier. He's a little. He is, but if you've seen The Punisher when he plays like the tattooed kid with the the lip rings and all that, like he's goofy. He has like a, a scene where he's like playing video games. And okay, it's like, yeah. you know, it's super goofy. But he's also. Again, he, he redeems himself in that movie by being a complete badass when he's yeah. being tortured. So I, I have seen that movie now that I remember, yeah. The movie's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that movie. Uh, all right, now for the big ones. Doc Holliday oh, and Wyatt Earp. So I for Holiday, these. we the two choices that we came down to were Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Gosling. Yep. And we settled on Gosling, the reason being the charm factor. Yes. Gyllenhaal, I, I've seen he's really good at being weird, uh, and he's a great actor. And they're both great, uh, but 
in the end, like, he's a little too creepy. Yeah, he when, is. He's, like, too good at being creepy. Whereas, like, Gosling could be charming and creepy, which is a little more what you want, I think. Right, and you see him in Half Nelson, you see him all drugged up and, like, you know, pale. And it, it, he, I could just see him playing that role so well. And the, the line delivery, I don't know. I don't know if anyone could ever do it as well as Kilmer did. Yeah, it's but hard. I really think he would do great. So now here's the big one. We have to see if you guys are on board with this. We went with none other. You're talking about me! You mean me! This city is never going to last. We went with Rick Grimes, Rick Andrew Lincoln Grimes. as Wyatt Earp. Uh, and maybe it's he's just he's charmed his way into our hearts with the with the Rick Grimes role. Maybe. I never would have thought when they first started the show six years ago that I would ever think to recast him as no. Wyatt Earp. But he's great. Not and before I turn your head into a canoe. Yeah, he could do it. Yeah. I know he could do it. I know he could. Yeah, he, he carries a revolver in the show. He's a total badass. And, like, the one thing that is so good about Earp in this movie is when he says those intense lines, yeah. you're like... You believe him. Oh, shit. He's intimidating. And when you see when you see Rick Grimes do that in the show, yeah. he's intimidating. Yeah, he's, he's intense. He's got that wild-eyed look. Yeah, so that's it. That's the recast. I love it. That is the... Uh, yeah, so let's, let's uh, settle up which of the three categories we think this movie fits into. Mm-hmm. Um, in our opinion, there are three action movie categories. There's Totally Ridiculous, which is movies that fall off a cliff of absurdity like Face Off and Con Air. Mm-hmm. There's Totally Legitimate, movies that we really think they do exactly what they're supposed to. They're classics. They hold up totally. So that's going to be movies for us like uh, Terminator 2 or The Fugitive. Um, and then lastly, you have Ridiculously Legitimate, which is the middle category. So it's like there's some amount of campiness, very compelling, generally speaking, a really great performance in there somewhere, something that keeps you engaged the whole time, uh, and we, we get to decide between the two of us which category we think each movie is. Right. So uh, what category is this for you? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I had a couple of fans tweet at me, and they are saying, like, if you don't pick this is totally legit, like, yeah. I'm going to come to L.A. and take over the show, something like that. I think that's what one of them was specifically. Wow. It wasn't that. It wasn't that aggressive. <laughs> um, but then we're talking about the movie throughout the show and the Latin scene. Yeah, total, this movie is legitimate, ridiculously legitimate for yeah. me. Hundred percent. It almost made totally legit, but it's just not. It's not. not no, at all. no. It's to me, this movie is the definition of ridiculously legitimate. It's yeah. got the it's got the character that we love, so it's got like the the compelling. Mm-hmm. But it's got all these scenes that are absurd. Completely. It's got a bunch of like. It's just, like, cheesy to the nines at times. There's so many pissing contests between two different characters, yeah. like, all the time. Fully. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Like, it's it's close because it's not as silly. Like, it does, it's missing, like, some of the really over-the-top silly right. one-liners that would, like, push the rock into that category or something. But it's definitely that for me because there's just too many scenes where I'm taken out of it. Like, yeah, the Latin scene yeah. is just a classic one. Um, Okay, so ridiculously legitimate. We can agree on that. Fully, yeah. And we agreed on our whole cast. Amazing. Things are changing in 2016. Things are changing around here, but we have one more thing we have to cover. We got two today. more things we got to cover. <laughs> Look, you may get me in a rush, <laughs> but not before I turn your head into a canoe. Very good, very good. Tom Cruise is Kurt Russell. Proud, yeah, proud I'm proud of myself. Because <laughs> people are talking about, like, this is the perfect mood to do Cage versus Cruise. Yeah, okay. I like that. Like uh You're a daisy if you do. Yeah. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> okay. And then Nick Cage just said I mean he probably could have actually played. He probably could have actually been in this. It'd been good. Yeah, in that time, ninety three. Right? That would have been ideal. Yeah. He wasn't quite balding yet. No. <laughs> and actually he was already he was, balding. He's been balding since yeah. he was like fourteen. He was good at being weird and, and 
Yeah, he would have been probably great. I think he would have been a really good Doc Holliday. Yeah. That's crazy. That is interesting. Um, uh, okay, so yeah, you want to talk about the uh, you want to talk about the pitch? One more thing? Yeah. This is called The Pitch. All right, guys. Good so there's uh, three choices. Uh, do we decide who's pitching which? Yes. I'm going with the... You're going with, the, with your boy. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, so here's the thing, guys. Uh, the thing we're doing now on the pitch is we each, pick, we each pick a movie, and we spend about a minute pitching it, and then you guys get to, you know, we have to sort of decide which one works. But from now on, we're going to be doing this, and you guys are going to be voting on it. Yeah. Um, normally, it'll just be two. There's an interesting situation this week in particular, because we've been talking about doing the Point Break remake. <laughs> All 7% of it. Yeah, so the movie was very poorly reviewed. Neither of us have seen it yet. I know I will see it, um, and it's a movie that belongs on this show at some point, but because it was so poorly reviewed, because so few people saw it, it's one of those things where we don't want to just force it into the show because of what it is. There's right. so many great movies. So what we're going to do is we're each going to pick a movie that we think is great. Um, we're fully willing to do Point Break. Absolutely. 100%. Like, like he said, it's going to be on Twitter. There's going to be three options for you to vote on, and that's why I was telling you to get a Twitter earlier in the show is so that you can... You know, voice your opinion. Yeah. So Point Break is one of them. We're not going to talk about it. No. Because you basically just did. You know what it is? It, I'm sure it will be very fun to do on the show. I'm sure we'll do it with a lot of laughter. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it will be done at some point. It's just we have other options that seem compelling as well. So we're going to each pitch them. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Okay. okay. So for my movie this week, I am picking the original Under Siege. The first one. The first one. From 92, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Uh, it's It'd be our first Seagal movie. Yeah. Who is... A classic. He's a classic, yeah. Uh, and it's also got Gary Busey, who we love. Oh, love Busey. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. It's got gratuitous great. nudity like it did in those like throwaway. It's got like a knife fight, right? Yeah, it's got a yeah. sweet knife fight uh-huh. at the end. You hear, Tommy! like yeah, you hear yeah. like groan and grunt a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's good. I loved it. Like growing up, I love this movie yeah. so much. It's on a train, right? Uh, the first one is on a boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. The second, the second one's, on, one's a train. on a train. Under Siege yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Under Siege, Steven Seagal, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey. I think it'd be great for the show, but I also love Ben's choice, which yes. is... My choice, guys, is none other than The Last Samurai. Oh, good in, son. Bringing us back to our roots, Tom Cruise, uh, you know that we're going to do half his filmography. Every movie that remotely <laughs> qualifies at some point will get done on this show. Yes. We see this movie on cable recently more than probably most. This is on cable constantly. A lot lately. Um, yeah, a lot. And every time I find myself watching it, and every time I'm like... This movie is so fucking sweet. It's so Ed, good. Edswick is sweet. He's a great director. Like, it, this is a way better movie than people give it credit for. Yeah. This is not that silly. It's like really well acted, really well written. The Shot action's really well. awesome. It's beautiful. It's absurd that Tom Cruise is the last samurai, but that doesn't matter. He's great in it. He's uh, a chameleon. This is right in the like zenith of his little run that he was on there with Collateral and yep. Minority Report, this movie. Uh, so I. I would love to do this movie on the show. You guys know how much we love to talk about Tom Cruise. Uh, that is my pick for this week. So go on Twitter, at AMA Podcast. Vote on it. We're going to put it up today. As soon as the show's over, you'll have 24 hours to vote on it. Um, maybe we can extend it for, like, for 48 hours. I don't know if you can do that. but we'll, know. we'll try. And uh, there'll be three choices. So let us know. We will decide on the movie we're going to do based on your guys' votes. At AMA Podcast. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. And uh, once again, guys, thank you for for sticking with us and, and returning for the new year. And we will see you next week. Take care, guys. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.